We've heard from several of our listeners that thoughts and prayers, they're not enough. It's clear Americans are more than ready to hear from lawmakers from all levels of government about what they're doing to reduce gun violence. Last week, the U.S. House of Representatives passed a bill that would lead to more FBI surveillance of white supremacists, like the one who killed 10 black people at a Buffalo grocery store this month. Every Democratic representative and one Republican, Adam Kinzinger of Illinois, supported the bill. But it failed in the Senate last week. So what options does Congress have? What kinds of anti-violence legislation can actually make it through to the president's desk? Joining me to offer his perspective is Brad Schneider, a Democrat representing Illinois' 10th district. He's a co-sponsor of that domestic terrorism prevention bill. Representative, welcome back to Reset. Hi, Sashian. It's great to be with you. Tell us more about what the domestic terrorism prevention bill would have done. Uh, thank you. And, and before I start, let me just extend condolences to all those who were killed in Chicago this week. And of course, uh, earlier story with the funerals uh, from Uvalde. And as, as you mentioned, the, the attack in Buffalo, which uh, fits the exact definition of domestic terrorism, someone who specifically went into a, a store in an African-American community um, because of his animus and hatred towards black people and, and killed 10 people. What our legislation does, and, and to be clear, this is legislation we've been working on. I've been working with Senator Durbin since 2017 on this bill. It passed the House um, on a voice vote in 2020 with broad Republican support, um, and, and it should have had that again. We provide the, the resources to the FBI, the Department of Justice, Department of Homeland Security, to better identify threats, domestic terrorist threats, uh, to monitor those threats and make sure they don't uh, lead to uh, tragedies like what we saw in Buffalo. Uh, it requires, uh, provides for oversight requiring uh, DOJ, FBI, and uh, uh, Homeland Security to report twice a year to Congress about what they're seeing, what they're doing, and, and how they're uh, taking steps to keep all Americans safe. So we know that that mass shooter in Buffalo did have white supremacist beliefs, but he wasn't, he was radicalized on the internet and not through any formal group. Could the bill have prevented that tragedy? Well, so the idea is that by establishing offices in the FBI, Department of Justice, and Department of Homeland Security, we've got people who are better uh, positioned to identify these threats before they become a reality. Uh, watching what's happening uh, on the Internet, uh, he, he had put out uh, uh, a 180-page um, document. He had, he had said things uh, indicating his intentions. He had uh, been to uh, Buffalo uh, to peruse and, and scope out what his actions months before. Mm -hmm. and, and this is exactly what we're hoping to empower law enforcement, uh, federal law enforcement, to, to be better able to prevent something like what we saw in Buffalo. One senator, that's Republican Rand Paul of Kentucky, said that this bill would target police officers and label them white supremacists. What do you think about that? He's wrong, and, and what we're seeing on, on many Republicans who are attacking this bill, they're they're talking about uh, concepts that aren't covered in this bill. What this bill does is empower uh, federal law enforcement uh, to identify and uh, and better prevent attacks from domestic terrorism. Included in that is attacks from white supremacists or uh, white nationalist groups. Christopher Ray, the director of the FBI, has said that the um, number one threat he sees domestically is from uh, violent domestic uh, extremists, ex essentially or particularly rather uh, racially motivated violent extremists. And we need to make sure the FBI and others have the ability to identify these threats and, and keep us all safe. 
there are some people on the left who say surveillance is a slippery slope. I'm, I'm thinking about how the Patriot Act ended up leading to some average Muslim Americans just being targeted. So is there any concern here that this could get out of hand? Yeah, you know, absolutely. We've seen in the hit in, uh, in our history, whether it was uh, targeting uh, Martin Luther King in the 60s, uh, what we've seen uh, with the Patriot Act. And that's why we worked so closely and worked with Republicans uh, to try to make sure that in this bill we, we address those concerns. And we have the support of the Leadership Council. We have the support of, of numerous Muslim groups, Jewish groups, uh, Asian groups, uh, broad broad support for this bill because so many of these groups understand the threat we are, are facing today from uh, these violent extremists who don't represent American idealism. They represent hatred that is a threat to the American ideal. So now that this domestic terrorism prevention bill is no longer under consideration, what are some other options for Congress to try to reduce gun violence? Now, thank you. And it's a related issue. And uh, I'm, you know, I'm not giving up on, on trying to prevent domestic terrorism, but we also have to address the uh, epidemic of gun violence that we're, uh, we're seeing in the country. So there are, are things we can do. Thoughts and prayers are important. But as others have said, it's, it's not enough. Uh, the House has passed numerous bills, including universal background checks uh, that uh, uh, will would, would try to reduce gun violence in our communities. Uh, in fact, the Judiciary Committee this week uh, I guess next week is, is going to be considering uh, the Protect Our Kids Act uh, legislation that would uh, raise the age for pur- purchasing these semi-automatic r- rifles using these attacks from 18 to 21. It's already 21 to, to buy a handgun. Um, it would uh, ban the import cell manufacture of the high-capacity magazines, the, the shooting in Uvalde. He had these high-capacity magazines that allowed him to fire off uh, a lot of, of bullets very rapidly before anyone had a chance to defend themselves or, or to take cover. Uh, it doesn't stop these attacks, but it would reduce the lethality. Um, do you think any of these could gain bipartisan support? I do. I think uh, I'm involved with a, a group of uh, both Republicans and Democrats in the House, a group called the Problem Solvers. We have been talking about ways we can reach across the aisle. Uh, we, we have to you know, background checks, 90 percent of the American public supports background checks. The idea of illegally moving guns across the country, across state lines, uh, people buying guns for others who aren't supposed to have a gun. These should be federal crimes. And, and uh, we may not stop every shooting, but we can reduce the number of shootings, reduce the lethality. And there's a, a saying that says to save uh, one life is as if you save the entire world. Uh, we need to save lives. We literally are talking about saving lives. You're listening to Reset, and we are talking with Brad Schneider, a Democratic congressman from Illinois, and also one of the co-sponsors of a bill which would have directed the FBI to expand its surveillance of white supremacists. Now that the bill has failed to pass the Senate, we are talking about Congress's other options for reducing gun violence. Now, Representative, we also reached out to Adam Kinzinger, right, from uh, Illinois' 16th District. He was the only Republican to vote for the bill. Now, unfortunately, he couldn't make it on reset today, but he did tell CNN yesterday that he would consider a ban on AR-15 assault rifles. Do you think that might go somewhere in Congress? I'd love to see it go somewhere. Uh, we know in the in the 90s under President Clinton, uh, when there were restrictions on access to these uh, uh, what are essentially weapons of war, uh, we, we saw a drop in violence. We know if you look at the, the list of of mass attacks uh, in almost every one of these cases, it's been an AR-15. It is, it is the gun of choice. And uh, what gets less reported 
is the, the havoc that these weapons do. Uh, that uh, someone shot with an AR-15, uh, in, in many, if not most cases, they're, they're uh, disfigured beyond recognition. The stories coming out of Uvalde where they had to take DNA samples of the parents to be able to identify mm-hmm. uh, their their nine and ten year old children. Uh, this is just beyond belief. And uh, so I think there are things we can do. Uh, I'll continue to to look for allies. Uh, not just among Democrats, but across the aisle, talking to Republicans. Well, we have some examples right in your district, right? Lake County, uh, Deerfield and Highland Park have banned assault refer- uh, weapons. Do you think those towns could serve maybe as a model for how it can be done, how, how assault we- weapons bans might affect or might look at the federal level? Absolutely. And, you know, the case in Highland Park went to the Supreme Court. Um, you know, a, a, an AR-15, a, a weapon of war, uh, you can't use it to go hunting. Uh, it, it is something, and especially with these uh, young males, typically 18, 19 years old, who are able, in the case of Texas, he was able to buy two of these guns on credit on his 18th birthday, buy large volumes of, of uh, ammunition, and ended the lives of uh, 19 beautiful children and, and two adults, uh, devastating an entire community. We've got to do everything we can to stop this from ever happening again. Mm-hmm. Canada's parliament announced a plan to ban the sale of handguns and actually force the owners of assault-style weapons to sell those to the government. Do you think that's what a ban might look like here in the U.S.? Well, I think in the United States we have the Second Amendment. I respect the Second Amendment. There's a tradition I talk about all the time of parents or grandparents who take their kids, whether it's hunting or target shooting, whatever the case might be, uh, teaching their kids responsibility, independence. That's not a tradition that's causing problems in our communities. But we see whether it's gang shootings or these uh, violent attacks uh, on, on churches, schools, uh, grocery stores. Um, this is a tradition we need to stop in its tracks, uh, make sure not only that it can't take hold in this country. Uh, we've seen it far too often, as was mentioned at the top of this uh, discussion. Yeah. 50 people shot in Chicago, nine dead. We're seeing it all across the country. Uh, we need to end this and, and and make our community safe, make it safe for kids to walk to school, uh, for people to gather in, in the, uh, city squares and, and, and end the scourge of violence, gun violence that's devastating our country. Well, speaking of communities, on, on Friday's show, we heard from Tamar Manassa. She's a nonviolence activist from Englewood, and uh, she called on the city to do more. If violence occurs in our city every day, we have to find a way to fight it every day. It has to become a way of life for us. And it just doesn't feel like they've really made, they understand that level of commitment, that they are willing to invest in block clubs and in communities, actually, you know, sustain, help people sustain something like what we do every day. Provide meals for a block for a whole month or two months. It's nothing for the city to pay for that. If you know that this is going to make things better, why not do that? So she's obviously talking about the city government, but talk more about the federal government's responsibility here to to help cities actually fund solutions that don't necessarily involve law enforcement. Yeah, I think there's lots we can do at the the local, state, and federal level. Uh, She's absolutely right, working on uh, um, conflict resolution, creating uh, after-school programs for, for young people, uh, giving them places to go and, and ways to, to engage and learn, to talk to people with different ideas or coming from different perspectives. Uh, so much of what we're seeing, and, and look, the, the pickup in violence, certainly I would um, uh, posit has 
something to do with the last two years dealing with the pandemic. It has had a, a, an emotional effect on our communities, but it's the solution is not going to just be uh, by uh, empowering law enforcement to, to protect us. We have to do that. But it's also dealing with um, the school programs, providing access to food. Right now, you know, across the country, we're dealing with an inflation that's affecting everybody. Every community I talk to, people are telling me that it's harder uh, to pay for gas, to pay for food. Mm-hmm. There are things we can do as a federal government to lift up the, the standard of people's living, uh, give them access to good education and quality jobs, and make sure that people have faith in the future. And when you have faith in the future, the the commitment to invest in your community, build your community, and reconcile with your neighbors, I think, goes up as well. Over the weekend, President Biden said that gun violence has gotten so bad in this country that he's actually optimistic that Congress can come to a bipartisan compromise. Are you feeling that way? I I can say cautiously optimistic. I, I, I came to Congress uh, first time in, in 2013, committed to reach across the aisle and, and find common ground with everybody. I, I still have that commitment. As I mentioned, I've been on many conversations with colleagues, both Democrats and Republicans, looking for things we can do uh, to make sure that what happened in Uvalde, that these children's memories are honored and that we do take steps to try to um, prevent the next attack. Um, so I'm cautiously optimistic, but I know there's a lot of challenges we face and, and we have to, to remain strong and, and, and work together. What are your constituents saying? What are you hearing from them about mass shootings and, and other gun violence deaths? What do they want? They want action. Uh, as I mentioned, 90 percent of the population in our country supports uh, universal background checks, uh, whether it was after the shooting in Sandy Hook or after the shooting in Parkland or the Pulse nightclub. Uh, and most recently, the shootings in Buffalo and, and Uvalde and the shootings we're seeing uh, across the country and in our communities. Uh, people want to see our government taking concrete steps to try to prevent gun violence, to try to uh, catch extremists before they, they uh, commit their acts of violence. And that's what we have to find a way to do. Brad Schneider is a Democrat representing Illinois' 10th district. He was a co-sponsor of the Domestic Terrorism Prevention Act of 2022. Representative, thanks for making the time. Sashan, it's good talking to you and uh, hoping we get something done. Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.